So I was in a very boring meeting earlier this week, which is an upside for the show because it gave me time to to brainstorm and think of a couple of things. <laughs> so um, I've been watching a little bit more HGTV recently because there's nothing on. Um, and some a lot of them have kind of ridiculous names where you kind of can't believe it's actually a show. So let's play a little game. I want you to tell me if this is a real HGTV show or if it's if it's made up. Okay, I like this. All right. And most of these probably won't be very good, but it, it was this is this is what you do when you got nothing to nothing to do and people can see your laptop screen so you have to take, uh, <laughs> so you have to pretend like you're taking notes. All right. So we'll we'll, we'll start easy. Fixer upper. That that's a real one, yeah. All right. Property virgins. That's a real one. Mhm. Price to move. I don't think that's real. Correct. Okay. Uh, raising the roof. I also don't think that's real. Eh, you're too good at this. Damn it. I do. I know my HTTP. <laughs> uh, curb appeal. Mm. I don't think that. I haven't heard of that one. That one's real. Damn it. Uh, second story. No, that's fake. <laughs> yep. Uh, flip this house. That's also fake. No, that was real. Really? That one was a huge one. That was flip back this house. <laughs> that was part of what spurred the uh, other than the irresponsible lending. That was one of the things that spurred the housing crisis. Because oh. they just said, "Hey, go buy another house and go flip it, and you'll just make tons of money." Hmm. All right. Rustic rehab. Hmm. Not a real show. Real show. Damn it. Uh, going yard. <laughs> I don't think that one's real either. Uh, that's fake. All right. A couple more. Bigger in Texas. That's a real one. Fake. Damn it. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, cash pad. Ugh. I'm going to hope that one's not real, but I think it might be. So that one is real, but it is a CNBC show, so it's more real estate developer focused. And yeah, Cashpad was also the working product name of AirPower. <laughs> is that true? Or are you making that up? I'm making that up. Okay. This, this is all made up. Like half the show titles. Not not, oh, not yeah, titles yeah. of this show. Oh, but... I mean, like all of our show titles are legitimate. Yeah. Well, starting what, what number did you start doing them? <laughs> Who even remembers? All right. All right. We'll do like three more. All right. Parcel Jeez, perfect. You, you prepared a lot of these. Well, no, if you, if you go to don't do, don't do it now, but if you go to don't click this because then that's cheating. Uh, but there's a Wikipedia page that you can put into the show notes. That's uh, HGT, HGTV original programs. And there's like 50 of these. Uh, so, yeah. So parcel perfect. Not real. Yeah, it's fake. Uh, and then lastly, oh, this is the one that uh, prompted this. What is it called? Um, because yeah, this is this was what I was daydreaming about, and I couldn't figure it out. Oh yeah, good bones. Oh, that one's real. Yeah, yeah, that's the worst name ever. I understand what they're talking about, but it sounds like a like TNT like thirteen episode a season cable drama about like a forensic detective. You're not wrong. But that that is a, a favorite of the Fretwell household. Are they? What do they do? I see they like it's, it. Looks like two uh, two women who are like ready for demo day, like constantly. Yeah, they're a mother and daughter combo. Mm-hmm. And 
I I don't watch the show as often as say a fixer upper, but from what I've seen, it, it seems like they oftentimes will rehab like very like like older homes or homes that are in really bad condition. So these are not the you know, knock down a wall here or there, put in some new appliances in the kitchen and call it a day. Like at the, the episodes I've seen, it seems like it's it's some pretty serious stuff. I feel like that was a uh, a takedown of of Chip and JoJo. Oh, I I wouldn't would not dare. She's 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 self aware. Where there's one episode I think I told you about this before, where of Fixer Upper or Good Bones, a Fixer Upper, where uh, Joanna or JoJo, as as mm-hmm. you feel comfortable calling her, yeah, um, really should be Mrs. Gaines, but we can come back to that. <laughs> uh, she she adds a wall to one of her designs. And she kind of, <laughs> she makes a comment about it, which I thought was good. I, I really, really appreciate when um, famous people are self-aware. Like Guy Fieri. Like not, yes. that they're, not that they're at all related, but it, well, actually maybe I kind of, in terms of being part of the basic cable reality TV revolution, I, I think Joanna Gaines. And that's, that's the one Venn diagram where uh, Joanna Gaines and uh, Guy Fieri are on the same, the same page. Right. Um, all right. So that's enough of that. But what is your so actually two things you said uh, rehab as a verb. So that's uh, I, I'm in, I, I find that interesting. And then also I'm surprised that you don't use a reno as a verb. Uh, well, I'm not really in the business, so I don't know if I'm qualified to abbreviate renovation like that. Yeah. Um, and then how much of uh HGTV and like all of that, um, like the extreme makeovers and all that kind of stuff. How much of that do you think is is mostly fake? Are you on the team that thinks uh, HGTV is eighty percent real and some of it's uh, gussied up for entertainment, or do you think most of it's bullshit? I think most of it's bullshit, unfortunately, yeah. or not not um, so not bullshit, but um, well, I'll I'll just kind of. Um, <laughs> Um, walk through what I think happens very frequently. So on a lot of these, um, what I would say rehab shows, or you would say re- uh, reno shows, not reno shows, that's something different. God, no. <laughs> um, Turn the channel. <laughs> I think basically every time they, in air quotes, find an additional thing wrong, it's something that they had known about before, because I presume that well, yeah, they you have a due diligence an, team or whatever. Yeah, an incredibly thorough inspection of the home, and there's no le- legitimate surprises. And in fact, when they do these inspections, I bet the homes where they have some additional problems that they can bring up during the course of the episode is actually a positive thing. So I think that happens a lot. And then something that the lady friend has told me about, which I don't think is a, a secret really, is in the like the house hunter type show, where they, you know, the a, a couple generally or a family will look at three different home options and then they'll pick one. Mm-hmm. They're already in escrow or have moved into one of the three homes at the time that the show is filmed, and then, but then they, you know, they go through kind of the 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 process of pretending like this is the first time they're seeing each property. But did the person who's on the show? Oh, were they the ones that selected it or HGTV was like, Hey, here's the one you're picking. Just be pretend to be surprised about the other two. No, I, I think, um, I think the couple legitimately picks it. And that's kind of what I'm getting at with all of this. Where like, 
I think the substance of what's there is usually true and not just like made up, but I just think that the kind of um, the order of things maybe is played around with a little bit. Yeah, a little revisionist history. And the, the other the other really big thing that I um, think is the case is the shows with some of the um, like bigger personalities like in Property Brothers or Fixer Upper or actually Good Bones is another good example. The The kind of main characters, if you want to call them that, um, I don't really think they're doing a lot of the work. I think that, I think they, they totally can. And I think at the, at the, in season one, maybe. Sure. But I think that, you know, they do some things for the camera and again, they, they totally could, but they've all just kind of reached a point where they've got 18,000 other things they need to do. So they sort of, you know, let others do a lot of the, um, the heavy lifting, I guess, as you would put it. Yeah. So, I mean, a couple of things. So you, I, I think a lot of what you're saying actually does really, really strongly apply to Fixer Upper where there's always like, it's built into the story and it's very much like an episode of like house or something, not like house, the uh, dwelling, like house, the, the doctor from like 10 years ago where they have a built in thing where there's always going to be a little bit of extra money in the budget for which you get three options that somebody who, that Joanna's assistant, uh, used google sketchup to to make and there's always the one thing like literally every episode there's always one thing that they have to call the person about that was an unforeseen problem that of course they already they already knew about and i think probably for legal reasons like you're, you're absolutely right that they have somebody go to the house and expect it beforehand because also what happens if yeah a chip goes on site and goes and does an inspection and actually doesn't catch something that's important and then chip uh, rehabbed a house that's like a death trap or something you know the other problem that they had on Fixer Upper? I don't know if you heard about this, but um, from the earlier seasons in particular, they had a lot of the... Well, maybe not a lot, but they they had some number of people whose homes they uh, did who then turned the homes into Airbnbs. Oh, fuck that. That's yeah, that's garbage. So they, like, you need to have a, a thing that says this... Yeah, I, I assume they... Season two, whenever it got popular, they rewrote those contracts. They They did, yeah. That's garbage. How? And they, they came out and they, they did an interview about it and they, you know, they were really diplomatic about it. They didn't get super fired up, but they just said, you know, hey, like we're, you know, we're not in this for for that. Like <laughs> we we really, you know, we, we want to build homes for families yeah. and, you know, make it their forever home. I thought you were going to say they're not in it for the money. And I'm like, that is very much not true. Well, no, 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 no. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> they, not they much like Apple and Tim Cook, uh, Chip and Jojo get paid. Uh, did you see their next project? Uh, you sent me a thing about like Cafe Magnolia or like Magnolia. yeah, Mag- Mag- Magnolia Press. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you you've not you've not made the pilgrimage out to Waco yet, but how far away is Waco from Austin? It was about an hour and a half, two hours maybe. I I don't know. I'm I'm thinking about hitting up Austin whenever it cools down. So maybe. So if you're going to go to Austin, which I highly recommend you do, great city. Um, I would go out to Waco. It's legitimately neat. You know, as, as someone who is, you know, I would say a casual fixer upper fan. I mean, being there with a super fan, like, like the lady friend that, you know, that made it fun too. But even just, you know, seeing it myself, like I actually thought it was, it was really cool. Mm-hmm. So a bunch of stuff in frames that wasn't actually in frames <laughs> or a lot of empty frames just framing up a wall. Right. But I think Magnolia Press opens sometime in the fall, so be sure to 
time your trip around that. And it lines up with your uh, desire for some cooler weather. Yeah. Um, shit, that was one last thing. Um, yeah, I think that's mostly it. Um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's not too bad, but yeah, but yeah, I, I'm of the opinion that most of it is, is super made up and I understand that all reality TV is in the same way that, um, like to not to blow the cover off of a lot of podcasts, tons of like high, like just like I assume the daily, uh, but also a lot of, uh, shows that are supposed to be somewhat conversational. I feel like if it has a big enough audience, almost everything is scripted or at least like the flow of the conversation is 70% written out. I mean, the impression I get from the daily is it's reached a point where it's highly produced. I mean, it seems like they might not have every single word scripted, but I mean, Mikey B posts those previews for the next morning's episode in the evening. And the script he has, at least for the intro is like his pauses are marked. And I mean, it's, you know, and I know that's different than the substance of the show, but yeah, I think the teases are one one billion percent like that. But like, I mean, like, there's a lot of Gimlet shows too, like Reply All, which I've been getting super into. Which I'm not sure if that's a show you've ever listened to, but it's 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 very good. I fell out of love with it for a bit, but it's it's very good. But it seems like it's supposed to be super conversational, but I assume almost none of it is. It's either so heavily edited or um, is basically just like actors reading a script. Still great though. I've been getting really back into ATP. Mm-hmm. Um, and just a, a brief little sidebar about that. Uh, Syracuse's love of destiny. Um, and then, you know, Casey's and Marco's sort of not disdain for it, but just kind of apathy towards it mm-hmm. is a, is a really underrated great part of the show. <laughs> well, yeah, there's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of jokes like that, which is great. Cause he, and, and also like, uh, John doesn't, doesn't, doesn't care. Like, yeah, no, I know great. he's so, he's so earnest about it. It's, it's great. And the same, well, it's the same way where like everybody's like, uh, like Marco is going to buy every computer that gets released, no matter how much shit he talks about it. And uh, Casey's a bad person for liking white cars. <laughs> so it's just, it all, it all comes around, but it's, but it's all super friendly, which is great. Right. Um, but what I was going to mention about ATP is sometimes it does come across as a little too scripted slash edited. You know what I mean? It's not, it doesn't, it doesn't have the same kind of live to tape feel that I feel like upgrade generally has. I, I, I've never like, and the thing is you, you would have the opportunity if you ever wanted to, to listen to the live recording since both of them give it. I, I do think Marco takes pride in editing to be tight, which I think is actually good for a show that still ends up being one and a half to two hours. Um, so I don't know. I would say it's probably for the best. I think, I think I agree. I just sometimes don't feel like that show I feel like it's missing a little bit of conversational aspect to it. I feel like they sort of each take turns talking and that's sort of the whole flow of the show. It's not necessarily a bad thing. I, d- I just sometimes wish that it was a little more back and forth. Yeah. Fair. Uh, yeah. Okay, cool. So that, that was that. Um, what else? There was one other thing before main stuff. Oh, this is, this is a bummer. Well, actually, look, can we talk sports super fast? Sure. So the Giants. Yeah. I don't know. Again, like I, I am one hundred percent not going to pretend that, like, I, that that I have not fallen out of love or been a much less um, conscientious fan of the Giants uh, in recent years, but particularly last year. 
but yeah, apparently they're having a good good run. They lost to the Cubs today, but they after the All Star break have like won like it's like been like seventeen and three or something. It's crazy. So they have by far and away the best record since the All Star break. I think they have the best record even going back a little bit prior to that. Um, <laughs> the most amazing part of it to me though is they're still like fifteen games back of the Giant or of the, of the Dodgers. And they're a couple of games out, even of a wild card spot. So it goes to show just how bad they were uh, prior to the current run that they're on. Yeah, I think now they're like fifty three and fifty one games or something like that. But um, yeah. yeah, but it, but it, the the thing about how far back in the NL West they are doesn't matter so much because the Dodgers are bad and um, the city of Los Angeles is bad. So it'll just implode no matter what. So they we, you don't have to worry about that. But the Dodgers are bad. It has been satisfying to see them lose in the World Series the last couple of years. Yes. Um, can't buy happiness. All right. And then two <laughs> other, or so, so related to that, let me send you a link. Um, are you familiar with the Seagulls at AT&T Park? Uh, highly familiar, yes. There's a uh, Twitter personality um, uh, called, uh, a, they used to be called AT&T Park Seagull, at ATT Seagull. But unfortunately, and this this bums me out, uh, the person switched it up to uh, at Oracle Seagull, uh, which I get why, but I'm bummed about it. Yeah, yeah, that name still still isn't sticking, um, and I still don't like it. And now that Salesforce Park is open, I'm really bummed that there couldn't be an actual Salesforce uh, Salesforce Park like uh, a half a mile away. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And then do you, well, do you know why, because there were big rumors up until like a week ago, because they've been winning too much, um, that Bumgarner was leaving the Giants. Right. And I never understood how that could make, possibly make any sense, especially since one, he wasn't uh, to the level that he was in his amazing postseason performances. But like, why was he going to leave the team? Was he that expensive? What was, why was that even a possibility? So I've also sort of fallen out of the day to day with the Giants. So you know, people can send their corrections to you if I'm getting this wrong. But um, my understanding is he's in the last year of his contract and he's probably going to get paid pretty well with this next deal. And if the Giants already kind of know that they're not willing to pay him what they think they're going to get for him, it, this happens a lot in the NBA where if a team's in this situation where they've got a guy who's going to be a free agent and they don't they don't think they can keep him either for financial reasons or they just don't think he wants to be with the team, then they'll choose to trade him so that they can at least get something back instead of losing them for nothing in the offseason. There, are there rumblings that uh, Bumgarner does not want to be a giant anymore? That's the part I don't really know. If I had to guess, I would say that it, um, could be partly due to that because I, I, I think if you go back to like the injury that he had at the beginning of not this season, but last season, the ATV injury. Yeah. I, I think there was quite a bit of tension between him and the team around that, which <laughs> you could understand. Oh, because it was entirely a voluntary activity. So therefore right. he just risked the entire, yeah, exactly. Um, but then again, I think also that, you know, the Giants have one of the bigger payrolls in baseball. And so the idea of, you know, having another really big, expensive and, you know, 
kind of guy who's getting, you know, older in terms of professional <laughs> sport ages, I just think they add all that up and think that, you know, he might not be a might be, not be a good fit long term. Yeah, so I'm I'm going to highlight the person that you just called old is 29 years old. I, that's that's <laughs> why I caveated it with the as professional sports go. Ah, <laughs> uh, you and your uh, man beauty standards or whatever. This, 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 this is the unrealistic standards that you're 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 age shaming, uh, Madison right. Bumgarner. Right. Uh, what the fuck is it? Wait, what? Today might be Madison Bumgarner's last start as a Giant. I know that's not true. Get out of here. It's Ned. It's it. It seems like it. It seems like he's he's now not going to be traded. It's you. It's the the team was going to be, I guess, all out sellers around the the trade deadline if things hadn't turned around. But when you're a couple games out of a playoff spot, you you got to go for it. Yeah. Um, and I know we promised a short show, but uh, one last thing around the sports thing. Uh, do you have an, a subscription to the athletic and is it worth it? Yes. And yes. How much is it beyond? Cause I hate how every newspaper says, Oh, it's, it's six weeks for 99 cents. But like what, how much does it actually cost? I mean, I signed up for less than a year ago, so I'm still on my introductory annual rate, which they mm-hmm. seem to do deals on like every other day. But I assume um, you can't do it on renewals. So eventually how much is it, is it going to send me back? I, that I don't know, mm. but it's, it's really good. They they have a lot of really good stuff. I mean they they sort of have at least for me filled the void that I feel like local sports broadcasting is lacking now because all of these local broadcasters are so ingrained with the team. Like they're not technically team employees, but they may as well be. Like they're they're the media arm of the team. They're not looking to actually report on what's happening in the locker room if it's not favorable stuff. Correct. And so that, that's just, that's not, I'm not interested in like the, the puff piece post game interview and all that kind of stuff. Like I want to know like the, you know, the hard facts around the team. And so the athletic really fills, fills in that gap. Uh, okay. So you, you, so moving into follow-up now, you sent me a picture this weekend of a white circle. So (laughs) <laughs> I know what that is, but also I just like, I want to know if somebody picks up my phone and be like, what the fuck? What is this? It's just a picture of a wall. So what do you have some type of new knob in your house? So we mentioned this on the show back when it was announced a couple of months ago. Uh, this is a device called the Lutron Aurora. And it is a friends of Philips Hue smart switch. Um, and it's it's kind of the next step in my never-ending quest to find the perfect switch for Philips Hue bulbs. Because as we've also explained on the show previously, you can't just use these smart bulbs with the lady in a can integration or with your phone. Like you still, I think, really need some kind of um, switch for them. And of course, you can't just use your regular, you know, regular switch because if you physically turn that switch off then the bulbs no longer have power to them and then you lose the ability to do all the other smart homey kind of stuff so you need one of these smart switches um and for quite a while there just really weren't any options outside of the uh, one that phillips themselves made but they've really to their credit uh, made a lot of third-party partnerships over the last year or two and we're finally starting to get some of them in the market now. And so the latest one is this Lutron Aurora switch. It's 
It's a really simple little thing. It just sits right over the top of a standard toggle switch. It's a circular button that's got a physical clicky you know, button in the middle, and then the little ring around it uh, rotates. So you can use that for uh, dimming purposes. And so far, I, I really like it, I think. Um, now I've, I've kind of fallen down this trap before where we've installed switches and they seem good at first, but then over time we kind of found things we didn't like about them. So we'll see if, how this one goes, but so far it's, it's good. The button's got a good satisfying click. It's, but it, but it's quiet. Unlike, um, the, uh, the click switch, which was the previous one that I tried. Uh, it's really responsive, which is great. Um, and the dimming functionality is really smart where um, if the lights are turned off, instead of clicking the button just to turn them on, you can actually just rotate the the little knob thing and the lights will kind of slowly come on. So it's a smart way to make sure that when you turn the lights on, they don't come on too bright. And I know you, you, you there's, lot, there's all kinds of things you can do in the Philips Hue app where you can program you know, a button to do certain things at certain times of the day, et cetera, et cetera. But that's kind of a nice thing, nice, simple thing to fall back on is always knowing that you have the ability to slowly dim the lights on. Yeah, I, I support you in, you in your quest for this, but also I, I am concerned that of how much utility beyond just the uh, first party hue dimmer switch thing you're actually getting. So, I mean, I think... You know, not to not to hate on your setup, which we actually still have multiple switches in the house that are exactly set up the same way that you have them still. Because the thing with these smart switches is they are crazy expensive. Like all of them are. They're all like forty to sixty bucks a piece. <laughs> so that's why, like every time the lady friend and I have bought one of these, we've always just bought one, put it on one switch, and then kind of lived with it for a while before we then invested a bunch of money and getting you know. Lots more of them. I'm hoping it's in different rooms. So every time, like walking through your house, it's literally a different uh, ergonomic setup. It, it literally is. I Wait, mean, next is time, ne oh yeah, no, next you time you're four over, types of switches in your house. We have the standard Philips Hue one. Mm -hmm. We have that click switch. Mm -hmm. We have this Lutron Aurora. Um, so really three for the Philips Hue, but then we do have the fourth switch which is the thing that's hooked up to the raspberry pi that then controls the outside and lights. i assume just somewhere in your house you have non-smart lights so you have good old-fashioned little flick switches so that's five types well that's fair we we actually only have the kitchen and then our kind of outside side area are the only two parts of the house that don't have smart bulbs yet so five types of switches mm -hmm. right right so you're just making it so that you're you're ideally like you're this is your security system. You're trying to make sure that you never get burgled because <laughs> they'd be like, "How the fuck do you turn on the lights?" And those like, "No, let's pick a different house." It's uh, it's emblematic of the state of our home right now, which is sort of uh, in flux and in the midst of many projects. Yeah. Uh, and then the Lutron thing is is that no not are they branching off? Because I remember there wasn't their main smart home brand called Casita. Or is, is the Aurora a different thing than Casita? Yeah, Casita is like the thing that they kind of... It's like their own ecosystem where they've got their oh, own Oh, so it's not part of the Zigbee uh, Hue platform thing? It 
I forget if the Casita thing is Zigbee or the, um, was it SmartWave or whatever the smart things or whatever no, the smart other standard is. is. Well, but, but there's other stuff that plugs into that, right? I thought that's some kind of standard they license out. Anyway, the, the Casita thing is kind of their own thing. I'm going to use Overcast later and, and just clip out the thing of you saying Casita, Zigbee, Aurora, and then people just have a <laughs> <laughs> You don't even need the new 90-second <laughs> limit on that. Yeah. Um, but in the Lutron, I mean, Lutron makes like... Oh, throw Lutron in there too. Yeah. They make everything. So I think this is just kind of another, another arm of, uh, of what they do. The only the only thing that has been a little annoying is instead of using a rocker style switch, which I would generally otherwise prefer, they this again uses a toggle switch. And toggle uh wall plates are annoying because unlike with the rocker switches where you can find the screwless wall plates, which I think look a little nicer, for whatever reason, finding screwless toggle wall plates is very difficult. Home Depot does not have them. No local store that I've been able to find has them. Amazon's got like one company that makes them. So if we decide to move forward with more of these, then I guess I'll order them online. But that that proved to be a kind of an unexpected, difficult part of the experience or of, of kind of the setup. Doesn't your house not have doors right now? Isn't, isn't screwless switch plates low on the on the totem pole? So we have doors now, but we still don't have hardware on some of the doors, <laughs> the, the closet doors. And then we also have sort of some uh, unfinished uh, trim around some of the doors. Mm-hmm. But, the, but the doors are physically here now. Again, the house is, it, there, there's lots changing right now. Yeah. We're looking. We're looking at solar. That's kind of a thing right now. Oh, you're gonna get a power wall before Tesla goes bankrupt. <laughs> uh, or sorry, gets acquired by Volvo. It'll happen. Right. Uh, all right. So we are gonna take ba- uh, backpack follow up out of the follow up section. I, I I will just preview one thing that I am gonna maybe recommend about the the Peak uh, Design twenty liter slash thirty liter everyday backpack. Um, you you know that um the little like zipper things have um anti-theft or like little locking little thingies i've never used them but i'm aware that they're there yes so what i've done to restore sanity is i've picked one side to be the like the master um like opening thing and i have just kept those anti-theft little locking thingies on one side just permanently attached so therefore it now only opens on one side yeah, that's pretty smart. I, I like it's it's reducing some utility, and you get one less flappy thing to have those little too small organization pockets to access. But it makes it it makes it more consistent. Have we mentioned how bad those are? Uh, I don't know, but it bears repeating. <laughs> um, I had to buy myself. Uh, I think the brand is called Hermit Case, and I have basically resorted to using one of the origami dividers to make like this very small shelf that only fits that case thing and that's where i put all of my like boy scout essentials like i have my tide pen and my advil and all my like all the little stuff that normally would have gone in the backpack and like the little side organizers that's now in that thing so i did have to resort to getting a small little organizer trying to look the hermit shell on 
on Amazon. Hermit case. And I think it is the one that was designed for makeup brushes. <laughs> so that, that was a real kick in the, yeah. Uh, maybe it's not called hermit case. How do I get, how do you go to Amazon? You type in Amazon. Okay. What's Amazon? Uh, oh, it's called the hermit shell or where is Slack. There's too many windows on this computer. Uh, it is this. So I am not using it for makeup brushes. I'm using it for USB-C dongles, Advil, and uh, Zyrtec. <laughs> All the stuff you need when you're 31. Right. Jesus. Mm. Giants probably aren't going to resign you either. I, I wouldn't either. <laughs> I, I, I would let me... Um, I'm released from assignment. What's the thing where you, you basically say you're unwelcome in the NBA? Uh, and, well, the NBA... What happens, what happens when somebody releases a player? They're waived. That is not. You can't answer your question with uh, with another word that I don't know the meaning of. <laughs> like it, in the context of this. Um, Wait. So yeah, what does waived mean? So well, so waived is if you're under contract, a team can waive you, which means that you're put on the waiver wire, and then every other team. And I think the way it works is it's like the team with the worst record has kind of the first right to pick you up, and then it it goes kind of from worst to best. And if anyone decides to pick you up off the waiver wire, they they take over your contract, and then and then you're you're part of their team. Um, and then if if you are not selected on the waiver wire, I think it's like there's this forty eight hour period or something. Then you become a free agent, and your current team continues to be on the hook for your contract. And then if you and then if you later as a free agent sign, then you're continuing to get paid by your old team, but then you also um um get paid by your new team. I always thought the free agents were that was a status that coveted players had. But you're you're saying that sounds like it's the end of the line for a player. Free agency can kind of happen one of two ways in the NBA. You can your contract can just run out. Um, which is kind of what you know will happen with the really good players because then they they want the ability to kind of pick where they go next, or it can happen through this waiver process, which usually happens when a player is being like disruptive to the team, or um, if they're just if if the team feels they're just not worth having around, like they're not going to be and they're not going to be able to trade them for anything. So that yeah that that's not a that's not a good way to become a free agent. Hmm. All right. And the last bit of follow up, uh, it is very very hot today. It's extremely warm. Yes. Uh, it's ten thirty and it's it's very hot. Seems like it's gotten hotter in like the last couple of hours. Have you noticed that? A little bit. It's actually it's actually kind of breezy outside, but it's just it's not translating inside. No. It's all that damn networking equipment. <laughs> uh, it's, it's a rock solid but uh, project, but it's very it, it produces a lot of heat. Mm. Be nice in the winter. <laughs> we don't even need a space heater. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Can we? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna push forward something. I'm gonna. Uh, this is this is not necessarily a pick of the week yet, but it is um, something I think we need to discuss. Okay. Uh, headphones. You have the Bose QC35s, right? Yes. Do you like them? Yes, very much. So up until this point, I had been using for like the past four years uh, a couple of pairs of Bose QC25s. 
mm. which were the non-wireless version of this that were they were small, compact. They ran on one AAA battery for about 20 hours each with the noise canceling turned on. They sounded fantastic and they were they were very very good. So big thumbs up to those. But I've been wanting a pair of wireless ones and in the past I had tried the QC35s but I found that they got uncomfortable after a couple of hours. And also that um I I like uh, so I use my noise canceling headphones when I'm recording the podcast and therefore I can't rely on Bluetooth latency for um for like the return audio. So I will plug them in. And the QC35s, at least the version that I had, uh, it was impossible to engage the noise cancellation part of them without it being Bluetooth. Like, mm. it would allow you to plug them in, but it would sound really, really bad and, like, hollow just because none of whatever the thing is that makes it sound good and also has the noise cancellation, that whole, like, engine doesn't engage when they're wired. I that don't think that's true. Because I I actually, because the context I use them most often is on a plane. And usually the lady friend and I are watching like my iPad together. So I'm using an audio splitter. So I'm using them wired. Um, and I, I don't notice any difference with them being wired versus wireless. Hmm. So I got them. I know they released firm. Maybe. I don't know. I, I swear I really tried to make that work and that was one of the re- biggest reasons i disliked them but i know they as bose does with all their new headphones they do like firmware updates maybe they altered how they work i don't know maybe it is it's weird how you turn them on when you have them wired because you only like put turn the little power switch like halfway whereas then if you want to connect them via bluetooth you kind of slide them the whole way so i, I don't know if that was causing you trouble but anyway to me they sound the same whether they're wired or wireless hmm. okay so anyway so yeah so that, that's why i didn't uh didn't didn't stick with those and um ended up returning them so then i just went back to the qc35s and airpods came out and then everything was mostly fine uh but yeah like i, I wanted some stuff that i can just listen to uh spotify on the couch while i'm reading or something and um yeah ended up switching it up so there are two models that i tried and one that i am very very happy with so there was a new version of the QC35s called the Bose um, 700NC. There's called Smart Noise Canceling Headphones 700 by Bose. Um, and I will send you a link. Um, and and, and uh, I like the fact that even on the manufacturer's webpage, which normally only highlights the best reviews, they have a 3.2 star review because these are... <laughs> terrible headphones oh no so they they, the cool part is that they have this new like stainless steel headband that is very easy to adjust and and is very nice but the problem is they don't fold anymore oh that's that's like one of the main reasons correct yeah so the ear cups fold flat but you can't fold them into themselves to reduce like the amount of volume that they take um so that that's bad and also it's in the the plus side they charge over usb-c so that's cool. Uh, comfort was pretty good, but they sound bad. They sound worse than the QC35s. Uh, they sound bad wired, so it's not like a Bluetooth audio protocol thing that makes them sound bad. Um, and they're just not, yeah, they're not very good. And also, like, they have, I think the QC35, do you have the QC35 first gen or second gen ones? The, the first gen. So the ones that don't don't have the... Like Google Assistant and all that crap on it. Right. 
good. Uh, but yeah, apparently that's a new thing where these are the allegedly, uh, it bows is saying these are the first pair of augmented reality headphones, which like with everything, augmented reality isn't a thing and doesn't need to be a thing. And it's a gimmick that everybody puts into their products and just makes it worse. So they're bad for that. There's now a button that is in a spot that is very, very, very easy to click that activates whatever Alexa integration it thinks it has. Um, and yeah, these are just not very good headphones. And it was a super big bummer because they're also super expensive. They're $400. And yeah. So, oh, and the worst part is you can't do, you can't, other than a basic Bluetooth pairing, you cannot use anything on these headphones without installing an app and creating a Bose account. Ugh. And I don't know why I found that like offensive is the wrong word, but like you have to agree to an onerous uh, privacy poly- policy and then you get presented with this really, really dumb screen where uh, like Facebook is now being investigated by the FTC uh, and they keep having uh, congressional hearings about Facebook. And then you want to use a pair of $400 headphones and it's telling you to sign in with Facebook so that I can adjust how the noise canceling works on a pair of headphones insanity so that that was uh that i noped right out of that so those went back in the box yeah that's bad so uh so the good news of this is that i found a different pair that is actually very well reviewed but i had been holding out for for a while just because sony's weird and again i'm a big sony camera fan and i like a lot of sony stuff but sony sony's weird so there are the what are they called because they have because it's a sony product um they have a terrible name. Uh, Sony Walkman wireless headphones. They are called the Sony WH-1000XM3 <laughs> headphones. They don't have a cool name. They're just called the WH whatever that was. I'm going to need you to put a link in the thing. I'm not going to be able to write that down. Uh, so yes. Uh, there we go. They didn't even bother to create it. Like it, even on the webpage, it just, yeah. So my my first question is: Do you walk around with them like this guy, half snapping my fingers? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Because I just got off my, I'm going to work. I just got off my Peloton bike, and <laughs> I'm where I have I have one button undone, and I got my sport coat on, and I am just jamming to the tunes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So the, the so these man Sony, what what are you gonna do? Uh, but they are fantastic headphones. They sound great. They sound better than the Bose headphones. They, um, you can plug, I'm using them plugged in right now. They work wired completely fine with noise cancellation turned on. Uh, they charge over USB-C. You get about 20 hours of battery life on them. You can wear them for, like I wore them for about four hours straight one day. And they, like, you know, sometimes noise canceling headphones will like make your ears super warm or the headband will become uncomfortable after a while. Nope. These are great. Really like them. Uh, just like the Bose QC25s and I think the QC35s, both the ear cups rotate in and they collapse on themselves, so they get fairly small. Um, and they're great. Uh, the only thing that is, this is one of the most Sony things ever, is I don't know if you're still on the product page, but um, man, they ha- this guy is literally in every product image. This is unsettling. <laughs> um, they have on the right ear cup, there is a touch-sensitive pad which kind of big thumbs down to that. Like it, it's, it's just too clever by a half, but they allow you to um, double tap on them to pause, to swipe left on your right ear to uh, previous track, swipe right to uh, next track. 
uh, and swipe up and down to control the volume. Which, once I figured out that's why the music was stopping when I would occasionally adjust the headphones, um, it's actually kind of a cool feature, but it is, it's very fiddly and kind of dumb. But, I mean, what do, what do you expect from Sony? They're always doing wacky stuff. So I have a, a lot of comments and a lot of questions here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's one hell of a product page. So my first, well, it's, I guess it's a comment, but then it's, it's going to turn into a question for you, mm-hmm. is I feel like by looking at a close-up picture of these, you've actually not revealed the main reason why you like these things. I actually you know, don't know. You, you know. you know what I'm talking about? No. The Sony logo, and it appears the ring around the USB-C port, are orange. No, it's more of like a burnt copper color, and it actually mm-hmm. doesn't look the same way it does on the website. It's actually much more muted than that, because I actually didn't like that. I mean, in hell, even on my uh, A7R three camera, I actually have black gaffers tape over the Sony logo, because I really don't like the Sony logo. So no, so that is absolutely not why. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, um, Are these the Sony headphones they talked about on ATP recently? These are the ones that, yeah, Syracuse said he likes them, but doesn't like them for a particular reason. I forgot what his complaint was, but I... So that's my... Yeah, so actually, that's a perfect segue into my next question, because I, I remember... This is what made me realize they were the headphones from ATP, is one of the features they advertise here is a unique atmospheric pressure optimizing... Uh, well, that's all they call it, actually. <laughs> Again, varies. I thought that was going to lead to something, but no, it's just another Sony name. Unique atmospheric pressure optimizing. Trademark. Period. <laughs> um, which apparently does something to, and they put it, deliver optimal sound at high altitude. That was the thing that Syracuse was saying that like during takeoff on a flight, he could hear the headphones like trying to do something where they were adjusting to the pressure of the plane changing. Um, and it ended up sounding like weird to him for just like a short period of time. So I don't know if you've taken these on a flight yet or if you've used. Yeah. So no, so it's, I've only had them about a week and a half, so I've not taken any flights with them. Um, yeah, you can turn that off and you can adjust that. Cause they actually have an app that is, I mean, again, it's, uh, Sony has an app called Imaging Edge Mobile for their cameras that uh, administrates them over Wi-Fi and Bluetooth, and that is one of the worst apps that's ever been written. So I had really low expectations for this one, but the app is actually not that bad. And yeah, you can turn that kind of stuff off. And they also have a feature that um, kind of adapts to your environment, not like the atmospheric pressure thing, but like kind of just ambient noise and how much um, like it adjusts the audio eq a little bit and a little bit of the noise cancellation and it actually works out pretty well so I, I the feature that he doesn't like can be turned off but i have not actually tested it got it i also do like that you can adjust how noise cancelly they are like and, and to speak to one of the chief features of this um they do have better noise cancellation than uh than the bose headphones that i have and i always thought the bose headphones were fantastic but these uh, these are even uh block out even more external noise and also, you can scale down the noise cancellation if you ever don't want them to be entire, uh, entirely noise canceling. There's 10 different levels, and that's cool. The Bose headphones that you had been talking about previously, I think, is either the first or one of the first Bose headphones to have that adjustable uh, noise cancellation feature. And that seems, that seems kind of neat. Yeah. 
Um, but a feature that I'm looking at now on this product page that I know that you're, you're not a fan of is what Sony calls quick attention. And this is some feature where you can use that. So the one where you smack, thing. you smack the ear cup and it basically turns them off. Kind right. Of. Which they advertise as being able to communicate without taking your headphones off. Which, uh, which big old we know, nope. Cause yeah. we, I think we covered it like two weeks ago and it keeps happening where people will either talk to me or will, I will be out in public and I will see them like ordering coffee or something and they don't take out their gosh damned AirPods. And it's so upsetting. So I'm with you, but I think you, you'd have to acknowledge that doing like leaving headphones on while talking. It's one thing doing it with AirPods. It's a whole different thing doing it with these over-the-ear style headphones. I think it's no different. I think it's worse with AirPods. I think it's more polite to because these don't look as dumb. I think AirPods are just so because AirPods communicate like semiotically. Like there, there's a thing about them that says I think I am the center of attention, and that I whatever I'm listening to, like the the fact that I am not giving you my full attention is my right and you're just going to deal with it. I think it, that's what AirPods signify. Yeah, we'll have to agree to disagree there. I, I think these over-the-ear headphones communicate more of a message of, I'm kind of doing my own thing, don't bother me. Oh, no, like I think that's okay. And I think if you're listening to music and not interacting with another person, that is the point of headphones. I mean, even especially uh, in the Bay Area and on public transit, like that is totally a thing where people... And also, like, a lot of times, like, women who don't want to be bothered on public transit or just, like, uh, just people just wanting to, like, annoy and invade your space. Like, headphones are used as a defensive tool to communicate the don't talk to me thing. And I think if that's what you're trying to do, that is fantastic. But my issue is if you are talking to another person or transacting or doing anything, your headphones need to come off. Like, and, and that's the thing where I actually think, like, uh, yeah, compared to AirPods, like having over the head headphones where you can just kind of like rest them on your neck is actually like, that's super easy to do. <sighs> it's so insanely disrespectful. Like just uh, no, no. But these headphones are good. These headphones are great. Um, it's, it's nice to also, cause it's happened uh, a couple of times where I will forget that I was running low on battery and like I'm recording a podcast and I'm sitting here for an hour and a half and uh, the noise cancellation on the QC 25s would die. And I was like, Oh, well, that's that. I have to go uh, find a way to pause the show and go dig up a AAA battery. So, like, that whole thing is nice for that not to be a concern anymore. And, yeah, the fact that uh, finally many things, and luckily most Sony stuff, is U- is moving to USB-C. It's nice that eventually uh, micro USB will die and it won't be a thing anymore. It is. It's great to see USB-C becoming more of a thing, for sure. I'm all about that. So mad that the even though they have that new Kindle Oasis that was released like three months after I bought mine, it still has micro USB. And even though they have that dumb uh, warm light thing, uh, which, you know, a big stinkeroo to that, uh, it's still micro USB. So there was no, I couldn't even justify an upgrade for that. Yeah. Um, this, this is reminding me of something that I totally forgot to mention. I think it was last week when I made the second generation AirPods, my chef special. The battery life oh my goodness what an improvement and i i assume that some of it is my first gen batteries just kind of getting worse because i used the heck out of them but i mean i was at the point where i was barely able to make it through like a one hour 
um, video call with them, like whenever the microphone was turned on to, you know, having the battery still be at like 70% after an hour. So big thumbs up with the battery life improvement on those. Yeah, I, I, I think that's probably like 60% worn out battery on your old ones. But yeah, the, you, you described even when they were new that like, um, yeah, that like two way voice call battery life was, was, was really not good. Right. Yeah. Um, was there anything else? Um, yeah. Oh, and then the the last thing on the Bose 700 things is that, um, they would literally take about 12 seconds to be usable. Every time you, you would turn them on, they would make this weird um, guitar chime thing. It would take a while to connect to Bluetooth, and it would also take a while for the noise canceling to actually turn on. So yeah, like, yeah, really not good. Seemed very half-baked. All right. Uh, you want to talk about Apple or you want to talk about DoorDash? I think let's do the Apple stuff. I think there's, there's actually kind of a lot, a lot I wanted to hit on this week. Can we, can we do an amuse-bouche real quick about Apple? Please. You, and this, this deal happens about three times a year. There's a thing where PayPal digital gifts on eBay will start selling iTunes gift cards at below face value. Uh, and you uh, did everybody a favor and, and caught that when they were doing the usual um, $100 iTunes gift card for $85. And just because everybody has you know services revenue and, and all, um, there's always stuff billing to your iTunes account. Uh, so that was a, that was a good call. Um, but you had, uh, something interesting that happened when you went to redeem the code and I thought it was, it was, it was very fun. So yeah, I had not bought an iTunes gift card since like, I don't even know what the last time was that I redeemed an iTunes gift card. And so, you know, I, I went through the process of buying it, got the code quickly. That was great. Went to the iTunes store to redeem it. That process is going along just fine. I clicked the little button. I don't even have to enter the code. I was impressed by that. But then I get to the screen sort of like right before the funds are actually made available in your iTunes account. And instead of just a simple little confirmation like, hey, you know, by clicking this button, you're sort of finalizing the redemption process here. Instead, it was this little dialog box that was like, hey, okay, here's your $100. You can either, A, put it into your iTunes account and buy apps, movies, music, etc. Or, or you can sign up for Apple Music and we'll give you this deal. Which I thought was just, you know, we, we've complained a fair bit about Apple's thirst for services revenue, but I felt like this was sort of a new low. So I, I want you to upload this to Imager so people can see what this says. And you, you cropped out any um, information that's self-identifying. Yeah, this is, this is, this is GDPR compliant, I think. <laughs> GDPR, anyway, for you. Um, <laughs> yeah, like, so you have $100. How would you like to use it? And then, uh, yeah, they yeah a one year of Apple Music, add free music for ninety nine dollars. That's a twenty dollars savings. I think this is I think this is hilariously smart. Like, and I I am as critical of Apple as anybody. But if you if you are um, cashing in an iTunes slash App Store gift card, uh, I think this this is actually a sensible thing for them to offer. I think it's like, I think it's funny, like based if, if you were not in tune with the, um, heavy handed 
Apple is just trying to uh, flip you upside down and see what falls out of your pockets and like little shakedown move that they're doing now because that's their new business plan. Like, I think if you didn't know that, this would actually be a really cool move. But yeah, like I think when you are in tune to it, you're like, wow, this the, the, like the thirst runs deep with this. Yeah. So, but it, it, it was funny. <laughs> Cause you, uh, because I think you, you were really pissed. Like, I, I think was. you were mad, but you were you were you were like you you were appalled. This is this is right there with the whole right before the holidays when they started advertising iPhone XRs is starting at like four seventy nine starts yeah. at four seventy nine. <laughs> I mean, this is ugh, ugh. so good. It's bad, uh, and they still do it, man. Now now that uh, Aaron's isn't there to to. Um, temper the urge to be super shady yeah they keep pretending that that stuff is uh that the phone starts out at 300 dollars cheaper than it actually does my only regret with this process was i obviously wanted to take the time to take a screenshot so i could share it with you but had i not wanted to do that i could not have clicked the itunes store option quickly enough and i hope that apple has metrics where they study how long people look at that screen and then what decision they make because I wish I had the opportunity to show them that I could not have skipped the Apple Music option faster. I feel like a bunch of people are selecting Apple Music and being fine with it. <sighs> oh, so good. Oh, it's so best. it's so bad. Uh speaking of expensive things. Mm. Um and actually you you think this is funny? Like, I don't know. I don't think this is actually that appalling. Uh um Somebody from nine to five Mac who is probably summarizing somebody else. Uh, yes, it is. Uh, they're summarizing an article or a supply chain report from Economic Daily News, the most trusted source for economic news. Uh, that the 16 inch MacBook Pro that uh, a friend of the show, Roger Quo, has uh, been talking about for a while, who I thought um, said it was going to be out like in mid 2020 or something. Some, they are suggesting that the 16 inch MacBook Pro might actually launch in the fall. Um, and it's going to have a 16 inch, uh, 3072 by 1920 LCD display. And it, um, it is supposed to, uh, begin retailing for three grand, which I honestly don't know how much the 15 inch MacBook pro costs. So I, it's, so it's funny you bring that up because when this article came out, $3,000 just seemed like a crazy amount of money to me, but I, I did go starts out at like 2100 or something. So I went, I went, and of course, you know, it takes a while to actually figure out how to buy anything on the Apple website. But once I figured that part out, I discovered that the 15-inch starts at $23.99. So when I saw that, it did put the price a bit into perspective, but, but Jesus, $3,000 for a laptop to start. And, you know, it... And you know it's going to have two two little two little yeah. storage. I mean, base configuration like with Apple, it's going to be a three thousand dollar laptop that's going to come with eight gigabytes SM. of RAM and a one twenty eight SSD. I think they've finally gotten their head straight on um, on RAM. Like where I think on the Pro machine, sixteen gig is the actually. Let me make sure I'm not well. So on the fifteen inch, no. So on the fifteen inch, you're right, sixteen uh, sixteen standard. But on the thirteen inch, it's still eight gigabyte standard, and then on the base level, it's it's still 128 in storage. Yeah, like I, I man, I keep bumping into it with a 512 SSD, so I don't know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't think this is that appalling. Like, uh, it, the it, this is going to be like it, the people who choose the 15 inch Mac Pro are 
like, I would say that like pro users, but like that is somebody who wants like a higher end computer. Like I, I think 13.3 inches is big enough where very few people are like going to spend an extra like 700 to a thousand dollars only because they want a screen that's an inch and a half bigger. Like, I, I don't think that's a thing. Why what, does anybody ever buy the um, silver color? Like, why would you not get space gray in these new laptops? If they brought back the the light up Apple, I would totally get silver. Like, I I think um, the the light silver color with the non illuminated shiny Apple looks bad because the shiny Apple is too shiny. Um, so that's where space gray actually looks a lot better. But I don't know. Well, but wouldn't the light up Apple look really good on the space gray one too? Probably. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Fair point. I mean. I don't know. I don't know why you would get anything other than space gray. That's like one of the best features of these new laptops. What's the worst feature of it? Uh, the, the touch keyboard. bar. Uh, maybe the, key- but the also- keyboard. The keyboard I don't love, but also have come to generally not hate. But I, I, I don't like the touch bar. I really don't like the touch bar. I find that interesting. Only. And no, no judgments here, but I just feel like you're somebody who uses the escape key and function keys maybe less than um, somebody who does like more development or like that type of stuff. So I, I, I would feel that that would bother a regular user. Function, function keys come up enough in regular Excel usage that it becomes an issue. Man, maybe it's just because I use a, a PC for a lot of work stuff where I, I feel like I always think that Excel doesn't have function keys. On the on the Mac, is there there must be a way? I'm just thinking about this now. Like I kind of feel like an idiot for not thinking about it before. There must be a way to configure the Touch Bar where using certain apps, it just defaults to function keys. Yes and no. You can say that, um, like you can say in system preferences system wide that you want it to be one thing or another, or you can hold the FN key to make it the opposite of whatever it is, but you can't specify it on a per app basis. And it seems like there's got to be some third party app or something that does that. Uh, I think Better Touch Tool might. Maybe. Because it does everything else. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, that'll all break in Catalina, I'm sure. But Yeah, so look at you. Wow, that was a pro mm-hmm. move. Bra- bravo. All right. Mm-hmm. Get, get, you, you can take uh, 60% of the Squarespace money this week. <laughs> What's 60% divided by zero? Um, I, I, I wish I was able to type it on my keyboard, but I can't figure it out with this damn touch bar. I can't either. Crunchy number keys. Um, <laughs> so... Yeah, so this week, um, wait, what did you just say? Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, come on, damn it, you're, come what, on, what se- joke segue, it's got to be smooth. What'd you make a segue to? Catalina. Yes, oh, so yeah, that's the thing. So in this, the friend of the show, Jason Snell, has been uh, really on this. He was, oh man, he was fired up on Twitter, I think, over the weekend about this. Oof. Yeah, so, and man, new Twitter on the web is the worst. Um, why, are you, why are you using Twitter on the web? Because if I use it in an app, then I'll use Twitter more, and then I will be sad more of the time than I already am. <laughs> um, there we go. Okay, so cancel or allow. Because you, do you remember? Do you remember the? Um, okay, I finally have a link to the root thread thing. I'll put that in the show notes. Um, do you remember back when they were doing the "I'm a PC, I'm a Mac" ads? Oh, back yes. when we were young people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there was a really good one where, like, because this was back in the heyday where, like, people still felt like Apple was an underdog, and Windows Vista had just come out, and, every, like, a lot of 
Windows new feature development for like a, for like a three year run was basically just uh, aping things that came off of the Mac, and um, like they they stole Spotlight and they, there was a whole bunch of stuff that they they ripped off. Uh, but there was one where Vista had introduced a security feature to uh, mitigate a lot of the bugs and attacks that were happening on Windows XP, where they introduced a feature called User Access Control, where in an early betas, like up up in and also this old date you or and uh, and i as a um as very old people do you remember service packs on windows like the windows xp service pack 2 was the good one i remember they used to make those available on discs and thumb drives because the downloads were so big and it was it was at a time where you know broadband was there but it, it wasn't necessarily you know as widely available as well i mean Still not widely available today as it should be, but more so than it was back then. Yeah, and if you were like a, a system admin or something, you could slipstream it onto an ISO and, and kind of have a right. already updated version of it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so user access control was to, uh, meant to mitigate a whole bunch of security flaws uh, of the OS and also to stop rogue apps from doing stuff that you might not want them to do. So therefore, if something was trying to uh, get admin privileges or modify something kind of outside of its own realm, you would get like, and the problem with the wind, with the Vista implementation of it was, especially since Vista had really bad uh, graphics driver support, it would like do this like jarring animation where you felt like your computer had just crashed oh, while yeah. it was pre- while it was presenting this pop up saying like, "Do you want to allow uh, like uh, Excel.exe to do math?" Like, and then it would just go from there. So that was a whole thing, and that's why Vista was panned as one of the worst os releases ever so yeah so uh in a recent beta of catalina os 10 10.15 um apparently there's a feature that's kind of really similar where uh, jason says after 24 hours of trying to use catalina in, in earnest with all my data and apps intact the new security features are incredibly annoying Apps constantly asking for permission to see various folders, lots of relaunches and trips to system preferences. It's really unpleasant. Um, and then he brings up, uh, he links to that Mac versus PC um, user access control ad that Apple did in 2008, maybe. And yeah, this is this is weird because um, when, I think it was maybe, it wasn't this year, it was last year, where... Um, Federighi went on stage and there was that big no slide of are we merging OS 10 and uh, what is now iPad OS and he was like no that's definitely not happening but it kind of sounds like there is uh, a concerted effort to lock down the Mac in a lot of ways and uh, uh, what's his name Paul Haddad the developer of uh, Tweetbot has mentioned now that there's a weird thing where you can't mount uh, DMG disk images uh, that contain an app unless the app itself, or sorry, even if the app has been notarized using your developer ID profile through iTunes Connect, you can't mount that without doing some weird like terminal stuff. So apparently there's just tons of stuff being done to lock down the OS. How do you install software then? Well, through the Mac App Store. Where else would you go? Hmm. Checkmate. Yeah, like so, it's 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 really rough. Where and also Daniel Jalkut is he the red sweater guy? Um, he yeah he did a thing where uh, he he found out that uh, basically you can't notarize apps 
to run on OS 10 unless you agree to the Mac's App Store terms and conditions and uh, licensing contracts, even if you don't intend to sell it in the Mac App Store. So there's just weird stuff all around uh, related to this, and uh, it's just kind of a bummer. Like, I get what it is and the fact that the Mac has kind of gone, um, like, it was kind of like a, sub- a security through obscurity thing, where it was more secure because Unix was better in a lot of ways of dealing with permissions and that kind of stuff. But also, as the Zoom flaw from a couple of weeks ago, remember, a lot of it was just that nobody actually cared to exploit the Mac because of the small um, user base. But I think this Mac is becoming more of a target as it's been kind of successful. And uh, Apple is responding maybe not in the greatest way to that. So I'm going to try to put the maybe the positive spin on this, which actually doesn't sound all that positive at first, but but hear me out. By all accounts, this has been a really, really rough beta period. I think the past few cycles, the pattern's been that the initial build out of WWDC is not very good and isn't something that anybody but like the, you know, developers who like have to start updating their software right away should deal with. But then, you know, a a month or so later, when the first public build comes out, things are actually like in pretty good shape. And then you get to the public beta two, and then things are actually looking pretty good. And by this point in the summer, where we're on the second or third version of the public beta, like a lot of people can just go and install the the beta and it's fine. But it sounds like this year that is like totally not the case and things are still pretty rough. So maybe this is one of those things that Apple is still kind of experimenting with and will significantly adjust as the summer continues. I mean, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, maybe. Um I like this just feels like kind of like a fundamental change where like they would know like I mean because I I assume people at Apple like aren't just using the like that godforsaken Apple news app and like just looking at like reminders like I assume they're using apps from software developers like how do you not notice that anytime you use your desktop kind of as the like desktop where like that's just kind of like your daily like trash heap where you're like this is where everything goes and then at six o'clock, I'll put I'll file some stuff away if I need to. But like, how do you not know that this is just driving everybody up the wall? Well, what's kind of weird about it too is the their move over the last year or two has actually been to sort of like open things up a little bit, right? Like sandboxing, didn't they? Sort of, not, kind not, of, not, not really low, though. But but they like, were they, they it, made sweetheart deals with uh, Adobe, Microsoft, and Panic, and a few others just to try to be like, oh hey, like there are real apps on the Mac App Store now. But they just gave them kind of uh, like exemptions from sandboxing because they're reputable developers. So kind of, not really. Hmm. Yeah. Like I hope Goose Game gets to access any file on my hard drive. It has to do whatever <laughs> it wants when it comes out later this year. Can't wait. I might actually buy a, a, a Nintendo Switch for that. I'll buy the Switch 5C for that. There you go. And hopefully I can find... Is Are there used games allowed for the Switch? Like, sure. will I be able to find a, a cheap copy of Mario Kart? Yep. So you can like so I can buy those weird proprietary SD card things on the second market. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Good. All right. Other uh, Apple stuff, real fast. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's not Tim Cook who wrote it, but Apple wrote to the Trump administration 
to get an exemption from uh, tariffs that will affect the Mac Pro. Uh, pretty great. Uh, oh, can I can I can I just go off on my little t- my little rant about that? Oh, hell yeah! You don't get to applaud the president's tax policies and say how great they are, and then bitch and whine when these tariffs come along. Like you just you just you you don't you don't get to pick and choose like that. I'm sorry. Like you you made your bed now you got to sleep in it. Hmm. Isn't that what the rich do? They wait. Yeah, I, I, I think they can. I think, I think everybody treats. Uh, they don't think of things in their totality. It is the American way to complain about, to approve of, or complain about everything as it comes along. And you can love a certain decision uh, because it benefits you. And uh, as Tim Cook said, it would be irresponsible for him to not engage with the Trump administration to do whatever possible to produce the best fiduciary result for uh, shareholders. Um, but yeah, he, 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 he can look for exemptions and, and, uh, do whatever he wants. Cause that's, that's the American way to not actually think of policy in its totality and only think it, uh, think of it as transactional at every step of the game. Let's move on. Um, yeah, let's move on to, uh, well, actually just, you can throw a link in the notes, but I don't actually have a lot to say about this other than the, the gold Apple watch thing, but, uh, Mark Gurman in uh, Bloomberg business week. Uh, a couple of days ago, had a profile of Jeff Williams, who it's looking more and more likely is going to be the uh, not not that Tim Cook is leaving anytime soon. Even though in our five year look forward episode, um, you think Tim Cook's staying for the long term, I do not. Uh, that Jeff Williams is uh, likely to be his successor, and it was a cool it was a cool value like a kind of summary of how what he does inside the company how he's scaled up with the company and what uh, a lot of influential people think of him but the um interesting part of it was that uh there was a thing in there as a throwaway line about the uh Apple Watch edition model uh that they said sold when the when the um Apple Watch first shipped in the tens of thousands and uh most of the interest fizzled after the first couple of weeks. Would it make sense? And I don't think there was ever any actual hard data on how many additions they actually sold and how much that uh, experiment to appease Johnny uh, cost the company or how impactful it actually was. So I, I get that with a company the size of Apple, that tens of thousands it is really just a, a rounding error to them. So I get that you have to think about it in terms of scale like that. But I, I was still surprised. It, it, it's a higher number than I would have guessed. Eh, Apple, Apple has like, what, a thousand stores nationwide? I mean, I assume they sold most of them in, uh, in uh, Asia and certain markets where um, signification of wealth is more important. But I mean, I don't know, that's, that's not that many. It's tennis, tennis store and then just some weird bulk purchases. I totally get it. Like when you when you look at it that way, it it does sort of come together. But I don't know. I I would have guessed it been an even smaller number than that. So I was actually kind of surprised. You were hoping that it said sixty eight, <laughs> right? Because uh, that's what it feels like. All right, and then we'll blow through this real fast. Uh, iPhone eleven rumors uh, from uh, Guillermo Rambo at nine to five Mac. Um, the big takeaway here, I mean, you can actually, I don't, I actually haven't read this in a couple days, so you might know more, but the only thing that stuck out to me is that, uh, we're stuck with lightning for another year. 
Yeah, that's been the consensus for a while, um, which actually ties into sort of my big takeaway from this is this has been like an incredibly standard iPhone rumor release cycle this year. Like it has just been textbook every step of the way. We started getting like the early rumblings of the third lens near the end of last year, which is clearly going to be the marquee feature. We started getting the CAD renderings the early part of this year. We've gotten some case designs that have started to come out through the spring and early summer. Like just everything about this is, if you were to like graph out when iPhone uh, features started getting leaked over the last couple years, like the, it just lines up year after year. Yeah, and I know we haven't gotten a lot of like they they've been uh, there's been a little bit of leaks about the case renderings, but it, the the phone looks exactly the same as far as I can tell, except for that weird, um, like tri camera cube thing. Yeah, and it and it seems like the the consensus is starting to form around that third lens being a wide angle lens. Yeah, which is what Samsung already does. Yeah, yeah, which which makes sense to me. Yeah, but um. Yeah, so it's weird that they're going kind of... Well, actually, I mean, I, they kind of did it with the iPhone 6, 6S, 7, and 8, where the same model, for the most part, stuck around for three to four years uh, like in terms of like case design. But yeah, it looks like it's going to be basically the same phone in that regard. Like I know there's a lot of innovation that goes on on the inside, but physically, uh, not kind of the TikTok cycle that it's been. No, seems like this year is going to be a pretty quiet year, but then potentially the 2020 iPhones will be more of a, of a bigger jump. That's, that's what it kind of seems like. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense because these phones will not be 5g just because 5g is so, um, so nascent in its development. And there's a lot of still like standards issue to be shaken out of like, what do you mean, Carlos? It's, it's everywhere. The 5g has been in like every city I've gone the last couple months. I don't know what you mean. I mean, uh, Sporty has real 5G from Verizon <laughs> in in a very small part of Chicago. The role, yeah, it's it's, it's a like there's like four blocks that have it. Um, but you know, it's, it's Sporty. He 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 gets everything he wants. Bones uh, at the sp- at the speed of 1.5 gigabits down. Uh, but yeah, oh yeah, I'm sorry, but yeah, you have AT and T, so therefore you've had 5G e for mm-hmm. um, yeah for for quite a while. Uh, I think that's it for the Apple stuff. There was a Wall Street Journal thing about Apple dominating App Store search results, which I think, which I think is kind of shitty, but kind of like I don't, I don't, I'm not sure if that's a big antitrust thing. Like I think maybe it's kind of legit that you get to have preferential search results on your own thing, especially for apps that are for the most part built into the phone. I don't know. I, I didn't find this to be as egregious a a flare up as some people tried to make it to me. There's there's other things to complain about with Apple. Oh, you betcha. Uh, all right. Um, let's do one more thing before Chef Special. Okay. It'll be your pick. Oh, you're you're having me pick from the list. Oh, you, you drive. You do whatever you want. Um, is the OmniFocus thing, is that a longer topic? Do we need to table that? Eh, actually, that, that could be a quick five-minute thing. Let's see oh, how... Okay. okay. Basically, I've, I've got some time off coming up. I failed at my last OmniFocus Reckoning where I basically kind of just... Um, uh, just Declared, declared f- bankruptcy. <laughs> not declared bankruptcy, but basically you kind of like scorch the earth. Like you, you're just like, if I'm not doing this or if there's not a long-term plan that is related to this project, that it just needs to be done the next couple of days or die. 
I think I am going to revisit that concept and try to do a lot of that stuff. Like there's a lot of like one-off creative projects and little things I want to do around the apartment or just things I want to do that I need to figure out that, you know, like I, I will just like keep, even though I, I'd been such a big proponent of the today tag, like I, I am, I am a, um, a GTD faker where I, I pretend to get way more than I uh, done than I actually do. Um, like I think everybody in, in America fakes a lot of stuff, but I, I think, I think I need to get a lot better about actually completing things. So yeah, so that this is good. That's what the next few days will be. And, and we'll maybe check in next week or a couple weeks from now and see how that actually went. So you are better than me at this. So how, how's OmniFocus 3 been working out for you? How, how do you feel? Like, I know like you get anxiety attacks whenever you see how many unread or uh, undone or overdue items I have. Uh, how, how are, how are you doing? I still don't think I really use any of the new features of OmniFocus 3. I still kind of, I sort of use it as a slightly more complicated to-do list. Like I really don't, I don't get into a bunch of different like custom views. My list of projects is pretty simple. I don't even put emojis in the name like you do. That's the, that's the key to my productivity. Right. Um, I don't know. I, I, it, it's, it's sort of just like a to-do list for me. So I'm, I'm a pretty simple user and I also don't, I don't put a ton in there. Like I'm not, I'm not meticulous about putting like every little thing in there. Well th- then can I ask, what do you do with brain crack? So I, I, it's actually good timing around this because I, I have been trying to get a little bit better at capturing things as they come up. Um, because it, it, it definitely does happen where I'll kind of make a mental note of something and then be like, oh yeah, and okay, I, I got that and then forget about it. So I have been trying to get a little bit better and, and usually that stuff does live in OmniFocus. I mean, sometimes it'll just be in the notes app or something, but, um, I'm still not as, as diligent about it as I probably should be. Well, but, but I mean, so the stuff that goes in there that maybe isn't something like that you must do would be like, that's just an idea that you might like, like, what do you, how do you prevent that from just being yet another thing that just lives in there forever or doesn't actually get done? Or are you just good at just like uh, killing those ideas before they form? I guess I just, I don't really capture a lot of stuff like that. I guess OmniFocus really is more just about capturing like something that I like have to do. But I also don't use OmniFocus generally for like long-term projects. Like I don't, I don't have some elaborate thing where it's like, cause I know that you can set up projects where you can like set up tasks to complete like in a certain order and things like that. I don't really do any of that. Well, so then what do you do with long-term projects? I just kind of, as to do items come up, I just jot them down in OmniFocus. But how do you, hmm. Okay. Again, you're getting more stuff done than me. So I, I, I am nobody to criticize. Huh. Okay, cool. Um, actually, we didn't talk about Netflix last week, right? We did, right? The subscriber stuff? I don't think so. Let's, let's do, to wrap it up, let's do one frivolous thing. Did you see the thing about the article? And I, I assume it did, it did have a very alluring title, so I assume it was not read. But uh, woe to Tango and Cash, mourning the impending death of the communal random movie on cable. I did not did not read that, but... I feel like I sort of... You, you understand it from the title? Y- yes. So what, what does this mean? Like, what, what, what do you think they're trying to say? Um, 
Well, I mean, there, there there used to be sort of like a kind of like more communal aspect to watching TV, right? That yes. we're all kind of losing now that we're off in our own little subscription silos. Correct. Like the thing of like, just like it's TBS, like there's just a thing and like Happy Gilmore, the Truman Show is on at three o'clock on a Saturday afternoon. And just like it, because it's on linear TV, you know, there's a chance that you could be like, you could text somebody or you can, sorry, you wouldn't text them. You would use uh, AOL Instant Messenger or IRC or something. And you would let uh, them know it, that it's AIM. I never called it AIM. I always either said AIM, which people thought I was crazy for, or I would say AOL SM Instant Messenger trademark. I, I, I did not agree that AIM was the acronym. Anyway. Uh, but yeah, that, that was, a, that was definitely a thing where they're just like, there were communal television events, even if it was just like really like, just like a, 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 a edited for cable movie that that's kind of that, that, that entire thing is dying because nobody is watching the same thing. Like, and, and we've kind of discussed in the past that when game of Thrones ended that like, is this one of the last major non-sports and news event, uh, communal watching events? And you said no, and I, and I said probably yes. Like, I don't know. I just feel like because there's just so much content, and this is where you can kind of pivot this to uh, the impending launch of all these over-the-top services and Netflix missing uh, subscriber estimates last uh, quarter, where like there's just so much damn content to watch, and nobody's watching the same thing. And there's so much stuff that's just being created and is going unwatched. Because there's this land rush on um, having as much content as you have. So when the streaming wars heat up, like that you have enough to justify your 12 to $17 a month that you're trying to extract from people. And I don't know. I just, I, I think it's weird and a cultural shift where just in entertainment is becoming so highly individualized where nobody's listening to the same radio. Nobody's watching the same cable. Nobody's watching the same movies. Because it's like it's just so super individualized. Well, and even in the cases now where so like Stranger Things, I know that's not your cup of tea, but it, it is a really really popular show. Yeah, like that's the thing. Netflix actually even said like whenever they they're very selective about when they want to tell data, but they're like, yeah, forty one million households watch this. Right, but even they sort of aren't really capturing it because they still do the thing where they just kind of dump all the episodes out at once, and you you lose the communal aspect there too, because sure, everybody's watching the same content, but now they're all watching it at different times and at different paces. Well, and then it's the spoiler problem where you now have that compounded with social media where like maybe somebody who wants to parcel out that 10 episode season of Stranger Things and wants to watch that over two weeks and somebody who's a super fan and wants to spend their entire Sunday on it. Like it's, you just have this weird informational asymmetry and this weird awkwardness about people having to like hide their opinions or people being shitty on social media and ruining a, a 10 hours of content for people because like it's all out there at once and that's and people have differing opinions on how do you watch that stuff. Yeah, I haven't had that happen yet. Like Game of Thrones, I was pretty careful about with spoilers, but it's it's easier to do when you've got that once a week type show. And with Stranger Things, like I, I haven't watched the most recent season yet, but I'm a very casual fan of that where I mean, if something were to get spoiled, I, you know, I wouldn't really care, but I, it would be hard to be in a situation where like, if, if I was like a, a diehard Stranger Things fan, 
um, that'd be kind of a, a crappy spot where you feel like you've got to just power through these 10 hours of content. Um, I guess the only analogy I've ever experienced would be like with the last Harry Potter book. Cause I, I came into Harry Potter really, really late and I, I hadn't read any of the books until after the sixth book came out. But then by the time the seventh book came out, I was you know pretty into it. And when, when that book came out, I read the whole thing in like a day and a half, partly because I was so afraid, you know, of it being spoiled. Well, and that's a bummer where you maybe had to accelerate your consumption of a certain media product because of that fear where you probably enjoyed it a little bit less. Exactly. Yep. Like something like where, yeah, if, if Netflix, uh, Netflix acquired like Better Call Saul from AMC and then instead of doing like a, a 12 week rollout, just was like, hey, here, here it is. Go eat it. Like that's not that's that's way less fun. And then I would have to turn through a show that I really, really like to avoid spoilers. And that's a huge bummer. Well, but then, of course, AMC kind of does the opposite thing where it's like, oh, here's the last 12 episodes spread out over 18 months. <laughs> Yeah, and then they'll do half seasons and they'll do some, some nonsense. Yeah. They'll be like, here's a preview for Rubicon, whatever the fuck that is. <laughs> uh, or whatever that show was about, like Washington, like 1700 spies or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Get out of here. All right. Uh, chef specials? Yeah. So I've got an, an oldie but a goodie. Um, I don't know if I've ever actually made this a pick before. I've I've had this thing for... I guess like a couple of years now, however, almost however long it's been out. Um, but this is the Apple magic keyboard. Hmm. The la- last good, last good keyboard Apple's ever made. And I, I guess I, I was kind of inspired to bring it up now just because we're, we're kind of on the verge of seeming like Apple's going to go back to a design, hopefully similar to this. And that would be a good thing. Yeah, it it seems like a good one. Good key travel. It's a nice design. Um, on your home computer, do you um, well, like, what's your mouse setup? Do you have a Magic Trackpad? No, I've got the um, the Logitech MX Master. Oh, you got the one where it's got like three scroll wheels. Yeah, you like that one? Yeah, I don't. I don't really use um most of the buttons are additional scroll wheels. I just love the way that this mouse feels. This is a kind of the the classic ergonomic Logitech design that they've had in a few mice over the years. And this is one of the less expensive ones. And it just, it, it feels great. Good. Oh, um, then yeah, for mine, I think I'm, I think I'm going to go with those Sony headphones. You know, I was, I wasn't going to double down on it, but uh, I've been wearing them for an hour and a half and still super comfy. Yeah, they're good. They've got that nice, nice orange logo. Yeah, I'm gonna need some gaffer's tape on that now. 